what is life? It's mm. transition. It's yes. going through different things. It's periods of change. It's periods of transformation. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode six of Dig New Streams. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi, and on the podcast this week, I have the amazing Bree Nichols. Bree is an accountability coach, a motivational speaker, a business consultant, a self-described serial entrepreneur, a social activist. She really does it all, and she shares so much wisdom and insight and uh, is also really entertaining in the process. I had an amazing time with Bree that I'm excited for you to hear. Also, this week is the first week I'm going to make a second mini episode available that's going to be about 8 to 10 minutes that will essentially be covering some new streams of thought or inspiration that have come from conversations I've had with people on the podcast. That will be available this Thursday at 7 a.m. on Spotify and iTunes. Again, I am so grateful for all the incredible feedback and encouragement I've been getting about the podcast. If you would like to stay in touch with what's going on, you can follow on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter at dignewstreams underscore podcast. You can watch video episodes on YouTube at dignewstreams podcast, and you can subscribe on Spotify and iTunes to get the podcast when it drops at 7 a.m. on Tuesdays. Finally, if you would like to offer feedback, you can email me at dignewstreams at gmail.com. I would love any conversation that continues this effort to dive deeper into conversations about love, relationships, meaning, purpose, and all the other things. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into it. My so conversation with Bree Nichols. I still haven't found the original quote, so I'm just going to um, perfectly misquote it. <laughs> 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 and it's the jack of all trades is the master of none comment. You know, a lot of people take that as, oh, you need to focus on one thing. But the original quote was actually to be a compliment to people saying that, the jack of all trades wears many hats and is skilled mm. in many things. I love that. Um, so I use it all the time, uh, specifically to the point of the serial entrepreneurship that you talked about. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are like, focus on this, focus on that. And focus is essential. You do need to follow one course until successful. I do agree there. Yeah. However, that one course doesn't have to be the final destination. I love that. You know, that one course is just, an avenue it's a route it's a way to get to whatever your final destination is going to be which all of our final destination is death <laughs> to be quite frank about it like so we're just you know seeing how we can navigate this journey and make it you know pleasurable throughout that process so I do not feel compelled to be you know the master of anything I feel like I need to be the jack of all trades and put myself in connection with people who are the masters of one I love that. I love that so much. When I was looking up some of the stuff, because we we met actually very similarly to the way Angel Cosme and I met, which was at a rally outside City Hall. 
right it, right <laughs> so i think if my memory serves me and i'll get to like the what i was thinking if my memory serves me we met because it was in the wake of george floyd's murder and dark was just getting up and running correct i think so yeah um do you mind real quick actually explaining what dark is and sort of what was coming what was going on that brought dark about at that time so dark is an acronym that um, if anyone knows me, they know that I love analogies and I love acronyms. I mm. speak through them. Mm. Um, so we were in the development process of like, what are we going to call ourselves? This, this collective of people who are community members, residents of Brockton, people who are concerned about what the potential for our city or our state you know, to eventually turn into something that is creating the conditions for um, militarization through, you know, the way that George Floyd was murdered at that time, we got to see it. And it was something that compelled a lot of people, not just in Brockton, not just in the United States, but around the world. Yeah. Um, so DARK was founded and we had these values, these core values that we knew we wanted to be included in a mission. And we wanted that to be in our name to make a statement as well. Uh, so DARK actually stands for Demilitarize, Accountability, Reimagine, Reallocate, Community Coalition. And I said the R's backwards, but you get the point. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, someone within DARK uh, came up with this uh, like little slogan that we all fell in love with was through DARK, we shed light. And that was, you know, shedding light on the things that happen within the city and, uh, you know, not really just waiting for things to get broken to fix it, but like really going around and sifting out like what's happening in our city, what, you know, systems are not having uh, accountability structures in place that we, you know, will see a breakdown in, in the future. And we got a lot of pushback. We got a lot of people that were like, oh, they're agitators and they're this and that. But you know, growth happens through agitation, yes. growth happens through uncomfortability. So um, really, we got to a place where we were like, to heck with it, we're going to agitate if that's <laughs> what you're going to call it. Yeah. And you know, now we're in a place where we are, I would like to say respected in what we do. Um, we have, you know, had people reach out to us to fund us for the things that we're doing. We have had, you know, successful lament marches, rallies. We have advocated for justice. We have brought people together in community and space that had not been done for some time just organically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, through trials comes triumph. And we really were triumphant in putting together a community organization, which really we have no organizational structure, but a community of people that wanted to create change for the generations to come. That's really incredible. And I I was really moved by it when I was there. I think um, it was one of those moments that a lot of people woke up, you know, and I think at the beginning, you probably experienced a lot of support. And then as time was going on during that year, people started to be become a little uncomfortable, especially white people with the way the rhetoric was happening. And that's maybe when the word agitator started to come about. Did you initially, when you heard that word or the way people were describing dark or any of the things you were doing, was it tough to hear? Or from the beginning, were you like, no, this is who we are and this is what we're doing? I will say that it was not pleasurable to hear. Yeah. Um, however, I got taught very young because I crashed and burned very young. Mm. <laughs> I got taught through those lessons that 
essentially any incident, any scenario that you put in front of you, it's going to have the good, the bad, and the ugly in it. So yeah. you decide what you're going to focus on. Are you going to focus on the ugly that they're saying, or are you going to focus on the good that can come from the work that's being done? That's good. Um, so it was really looking past the ugly, letting it stir up a little conversation because they do say that all publicity is good publicity <laughs> and do. allowing people to see, you know, the work that we were really doing. So for some people, it may have been discouraging. It may have made a few people drop off the bandwagon because you know they couldn't handle the heat but you know i don't claim to be a chef but i sure know how to you know stand in the kitchen so uh, yes um, for me it was like all right let's go let's agitate and let's do it so that we're getting into some good trouble i love that because ultimately uh words are all matter of perspective anyway and if someone's calling you an agitator consider the source of who's saying it and maybe it's a compliment in that way so if you want to be someone that just keeps things smooth then I don't know what that is, but you do, you don't often hear people being called someone that just likes to keep the status quo a positive thing, you know. An, agi an agitator is someone that makes change, and I think you do that from a lot of the things I've been looking at over the last few days about you. Um, so you have a clothing company, is that right? A rose from concrete. Yes. Here we are. <laughs> yes, yes. So yes. I, I want to hear about that. Also, did I notice because I watched your YouTube? channel you've got a video did you get a tattoo that says that yeah i did so our new logo um <laughs> we rebranded this is our original logo here we rebranded yeah. and changed the logo um and i got that new logo tattooed on me as well so yes please head over to my youtube channel to check out that video yes um which is so, what what's the name of the youtube channel uh, so right now it's actually Tosh and Tang, which is a completely different side of me that no <laughs> one has really gotten to see. I realized that a lot of the places and spaces that I was in is very professional, very corporate, because I do pride on professionalism. Mm. Um, however, I wanted people to have another leg of relatability that wasn't th just through adversity. You know, people are relating to me because I tell the story of how I was 16 and pregnant or how I was homeless and overcame that or how I left a job to take a leap of faith. But those are all adverse situations that like nobody really wants to be in. Yeah. So what about the situations of like self-care, luxury, pleasure that, you know, really are what make for a positive journey for me? Um, that. So that is the journey with my partner. And, you know, that's my best friend. That's who I do everything with from business development and the next venture that I'm going into, mm. or if I just want to simply relax and get some leisure. So yeah. um, that YouTube channel is actually getting a snippet of me on a more personal level and my partner, who's very much so an introvert, um, <laughs> some of that extroverted side. Love that. All right. So Tasha Tank, so you got that tattoo. Tell me about the clothing company. What's what's the what is a rose from concrete mean to you? So come on, you got to know Tupac, man. <laughs> of course, I, I'm just, this is about. <laughs> I got you. So um, of course, you know, anybody who knows Tupac or is a Tupac fan knows the rose that grew from concrete. Yeah. Um, but obviously for intellectual property reasons and to just create something of my own as well, I took the context from that and created a rose from concrete, Yeah. Um, which was actually secondary to the nonprofit. So mm. The nonprofit started first. That was um, Resilient Roses Respite, which is still actively running and thriving and uh, doing free grocery delivery every week. Wow. Um, so that started off first and that was just to give back organically. Like I had done a lot of work in the nonprofit sector. I had had my story told and it garnering about a hundred thousand dollars 
to the community that, wow. you know, like, yes, I know some of what's happening with that money, but I don't really know what's happening with that money. Yeah. So I started the nonprofit and then realized quickly, like, Hey, I left my job. I need some other income and I can't like <laughs> take money from a nonprofit. So I started the for-profit company and actually utilize the logo. The rose here is um, the same exact rose uh, that you'll see on the rose from concrete. Uh, I'm sorry, the resilient roses logo. Nice. Um, and it was kind of like a cross branding thing where, you know, you have trust in the person who's me, who started this nonprofit, you know, support me as well in the for-profit. Love it. Um, but then it kind of limited me <laughs> Did it? because yeah, like, I'm now working with kids. I'm in the nonprofit sector. There's certain, you know, image you want to maintain with that, that the clothing brand, I wanted it to be more versatile and something yeah. that was more realistic and true to who I am as a person and yeah. to adversity. It's muddy, it's dirty, it's prickly and thorny like a rose. Yes. Um, so that's why I changed the logo uh, to kind of come away from the representation directly to Resilient Roses and kind of give it its own time to kind of stand and shine. That's really good. So like you're distinguishing it so that you can be a little more real with the clothing line and that whole brand than, than with the nonprofit. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. All right. So what I gathered was you are a serial entrepreneur. You're a um, community activist. You're an organizer. You have started a nonprofit. You've got a clothing company, and there's you also do a lot of speaking. Am I right? So yes, uh, I was given some great advice by a gentleman Royale, uh, who is over. Yeah, uh, Elrod. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. He has a revolution to uh, inspire, and he sat down with me probably about a year or two ago and told me, "Hey, like everything you're doing is great." but I want to see you have a namesake company. Like that's the best thing you could do for yourself. Yeah. Um, he and John Williams were actually two people who were instrumental in saying like, Hey, like all this other stuff that you're doing is great, but make sure you go after something that's going to create your legacy. That's great. Um, so I started coach Bree Nichols consulting to navigate people through the woes of business development, you nice. know, whether you're in the startup phases that are like, I don't know where to start, what the next step is, or if you're in a position where you're like, Hey, I've been in this a little bit of time, but I want to learn how to scale. I took everything that I learned over the nonprofit, the for-profit and put it together into consulting, mm. which then led to uh, speaking, coaching. And then now my fourth business that I'm in partnership with my partner uh, with, and that is doing uh, credit repair and tax uh, prep. So, wow. Yeah. That, I mean, Jack of all trades is probably the best description <laughs> who, who is just sort of like a master of one though. And why does that, why is that somehow better than being able to do like a bunch of things? So that's why I love that you gave that quote. I mean, context. you would want a doctor or a surgeon to be the master <laughs> okay, <laughs> of what they're doing. Um, I, I want to make sure that you have like cut into 10 bodies before you got into mine. That's a solid So point. there are some, you know, fields that you do want people to be the master of, but Truth. even a doctor can work for 20 years and be the master of whatever specialty of surgery that they're in. Yeah. And then it's like, eh, well, what do I do if, you know, your hands are your greatest asset and you get rheumatoid arthritis? that you can't help <laughs> like what do you do so yeah it, it's good to be a master but you should you know have maybe an egg in another basket you know yeah like <laughs> I think I'm a uh, you know we were saying a little bit how I think I'm built a little bit more like you are where I enjoy exploring new things 
you know, it's an adventure that I sort of seek. And one of the things we talk about a lot on the podcast, and I, uh, Randy Kafka was the first one to bring this up. She talks about nonviolent communication. Sort of the basis of it is figuring out what your needs are and what needs are being met by certain things that you do. What would you say with all of this are needs that maybe you've been able to analyze for yourself that get met through trying different things, starting new businesses, stuff like that? So you'll be the first to hear it and it'll be released for the first time on your podcast. But I have totally decided that I am going to put a book out there about what I have learned. I love it. Um, Love it. And ironically, the book will be called Learn Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's a solid title. Um, And uh, shit will actually be an acronym for successful habits and transition. Of course. That's so good. Oh, so, you're, the, you're the second person with a book about transition on the podcast. My first yes. guest. I love it. Yeah. So um, what is life? It's mm. transition. It's yes. going through different things. It's periods of change. It's periods of transformation. And oftentimes if we feel like we're repeating the same thing over and over again, or we can't figure out why we can't get out the rat race, it's because we're insane. We're literally doing the same thing over and over again because we haven't learned shit. Right. Yeah. Oh <laughs> we my haven't God. learned. <laughs> we that. haven't learned successful habits in that transition. Yeah. So we continue to cycle the drain almost and continue to like chase our tails like dogs without having success in those habits that we created. Sometimes we're not even observing the habits that are created throughout those periods of time. Yes. You know, we have certain things that our bodies naturally default to certain mm. like preset settings <laughs> that are like, right. hey, here's adversity. Here's what you're going to do. We right. have usually three common responses of fight, flight, or freeze. And if you're the person who's going to fight, what does that fight look like for you? Does it look like you're not eating for a couple of days? Does it look like you're in overdrive? Does it look like you're not sleeping? If you're freezing, does it look like you're not having communication the way you normally would with people? Does it look like you're at work, not getting anything done and you're staring at your screen? Right. Or if you take flight, does it look like you run away from your problems all the time? Yeah. And those are fear factors yeah false evidence appearing real that's a fear factor that stress is releasing this cortisol in your brain and it's making you go into these responses Mm. but it's not allowing you the time to think rationally and not impulsively to sit back and really introspect and say what is common to me every time i go through something like this Mm. what is that thing that i resort to to comfort me is it a cup of ice cream or you know is it going and talking to somebody what are those coping skills right so what learn shit will be about is building up that toolkit so that you actually have the tools necessary to turn your stress into success by Mm. building that bridge to a better life Uh, incredible that is you know first ears here so (laughs) yeah that's so exciting but that's my pitch for that book Oh, I'm, you got me. You sold me on it. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> because it is, it is true. We, we do come, we come with not only sort of the familial stuff that gets passed down to us, but cultural, you know, there's all this all body keeps the score stuff, generational trauma and all sorts of things that we have learned before, before we've actively learned anything. So to train yourself to learn shit <laughs> and to move beyond, <laughs> I I'm sorry. I love that. I, I love it. <laughs> You're going to get a big advocate for it with me. Yeah, no, that's great. 
All right. So books coming up. When are you, are you already working on it? What's going on? So literally the book got started last night. <laughs> so okay. I'm telling you, this is breaking news. <laughs> Great. The way that you already had the framework for it. I'm just blown away. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Because so the- I've been struggling for two years trying to figure out like, what am I going to tell people outside of just motivationally speaking, which motivation fails us all the time. Mm. What can I create? That's going to be sustainable that people can refer back to, to create a discipline around how to, you know, find themselves because yeah. what are we doing when we learn shit? We're finding ourselves through these successful habits. So the things that are unsuccessful, we need to cast them away and decide that that's stress that we don't have control of and we don't need. And then yeah. the things that we do control, it's called eustress, which is E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And this mm. is a series that I've had in my head for some time that I'm like, I just got to figure out how to put it together. Yeah. Um, but eustress to success is that beneficial stress. So again, back to these adverse situations I've been in, you know, I wasn't looking at the adversity in the situations like, oh, <laughs> it's happening to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? That was not my response. I went into overdrive. I went into fight and Mm. that consistent survival mode started to eat away at me. And I was like, crap, like I'm no longer needing to survive. Like I want to thrive now. And how do I do that? So that's a little bit of what this book will delve into talking about the different areas of life and how I've been able to use, you know, successful transitions to progress because I mean, this is success in progress here. Yeah, for sure. When you said the whole thing about a motivation, like motivational speeches don't necessarily, you get all hyped up and then you, then you leave the place and you're kind of the same. You're not getting necessarily tools. And as a pastor and someone who grew up in the church, I remember having lots of conversations with our mutual friend, Will Dickerson, about how often that was frustrating to me, how I'd feel like either I connected with the group in a really powerful way, or I felt connected to a message. And then I just feel the same after, you know, like it's inspiring, but it doesn't move you in a way that gives you tools necessarily. Uh, And I think it's a really helpful idea to push more how does how do we empower people to move through adversity when you know you know the things that you're conditioned to do you know what you've trained yourself to do and giving you tools to train yourself in a different way so interesting nobody wants to hear my philosophy on religion and particularly my mother who is an ordained minister so we may have to cut this part out no i would uh, love to hear it that's the whole point of this podcast I personally believe in God. I believe in spiritual realms. I believe in moving in a way that is spiritually pleasing. Hmm. Um, I also understand that there are all types of outside entities, bad spirits, bad energy, low vibrations, whatever people want to label it. Um, But I believe that religion, particularly institutions of religion, if I can be specific, have preyed on the vulnerability of people for generations and generations and generations. And that is one of the biggest curses that we stand on today. A dollar that says in God we trust in a country that came here saying they wanted religious freedom and fought their home country for it. But now if we say anything against that, we're treasonous here. Right. Absolutely. So for me, I believe in God, I believe in, you know, God adding extra to my ordinary to make extraordinary things happen through Mm. me. Mm. However, I don't believe that, 
you know, I need to go to a particular church to tithe every week. Right. I believe that church is instrumental and in being a place that people know that they can consistently go to, to seek that motivation. But what I believe churches have failed people in is discipline. Right. You give all of these ultimatums, which they'll call the commandments mm. that say, honor thy mother and father. And that's the com first commandment with promise and your days will be long. But mm -hmm. like, what about if my mother or my father is toxic to my days? Right. And like the stress is going to make my days short because I'm trying to honor my mother <laughs> and my father. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that I've been very quiet about for some time because mm. I had to create my own thought process around this. I grew up, you know, with my mother, who's Baptist Christian, you know, yep. my sister's father practiced, you know, Islam. I've gone to Catholic school. I've worked in Jewish facilities. Yeah. I'm on the board for a multi-faith organization right now. Yeah. And, you know, I respect everyone's faith. I respect everyone's beliefs and understand that, you know, things are all about perspective yes. and perception can be the root of misconception. And I look at the Bible <laughs> as basic instructions before leaving earth in the form of parables. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, this is yeah. not something that I'm really believing somebody lived for 900 years before they were <laughs> able to scratch together some rocks to make fire. <laughs> so, it's funny. So, be, you know. Yeah, it's funny because in the when I talked to Angel, he was talking about the 900 years thing, too. I, I think it's important that you bring up perspective because often people expect the Bible to speak with a unified voice in some way, as though all of these books with all of these authors throughout centuries were saying the same thing. Uh, when the truth is the reason, let's just one example, the reason we have four gospels in the New Testament is because there are four perspectives on the same events. And they often contradict each other or say things that might offer a different vantage point. If people are looking for perfection to stand on, they're not going to find it in the Bible or in religion. And I, I believe that to be a misguided effort, but that's what we're taught, right? In some way, perfection is somehow a goal um, that, that no one can achieve. And I, well, it's competition, not perfection. Tell me more. The, the, the ideology is that you are striving to get that A plus, which is perfection, right? Yeah, right. But what really happens is it puts you in this competition. Yeah. You know, from the time somebody said it to me on my podcast the other day, from the time we're born, oh, little Timmy was 22 inches long, but Jimmy was 23 yes. inches right. long. Right. And then we go to school and it's like, well, Timmy got an A, but Jimmy got an A plus. Yes. You know, so we get yes. conditioned to be competitive and not collaborative. Yeah. So from so the good. gate, we're taught to be so independent or independent workers. We're taught to be in line, stand in line, raise your hand, speak when spoken to, when in reality, some of the greatest change makers violated all the rules of law at that time. Absolutely. Most of them thought to be crazy in their times, medieval times or the Renaissance period, when a lot of like Michelangelo's and mm -hmm. people were coming out, Da Vinci, they were thought to be crazy. Right. But their artwork has, you know, transcended through literally generations, centuries at this point. Absolutely. So we know people lived 900 years ago. We just don't think that they lived for 900 years. Right. years <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because the people I've taken trips over to Europe and you talked about the abuses of religion in the church. And I have always had a really hard time with with uh, religious structures, 
So you walk around and yeah, they're beautiful, right? The cathedrals and all that sort of stuff. You walk in them and, and there's lots of artwork that is masterful in some way, but it's infuriating to me. It pisses me off because I know where the money for those things came from. You know, um, they came from people who were told in order for God to be pleased with you, you got to give this percent each week. You have to give this much of your time. Uh, you have to do this, do that. You have to confess all of your deepest, darkest secrets to this person behind a screen. It is such a manipulative and dangerous system that I, I'm grateful to hear people speak up because it is scary when you're in a family or, you know, myself as a part of the system at times, uh, it's scary to break loose from it because it's so all encompassing. It holds so much power and sway. So I applaud whatever you have to say about it. The more honesty we have about what people know and what they've experienced around abuses of any kinds from any system, uh, the more that we can progress, the more our journey can be more. I, well, I don't know what you said about spirituality earlier, but it was beautiful about experiencing joy from it. But yeah. Well, they lost me completely with religion after the second roots came out and highlighted how certain Bibles were worded to say that if you disobeyed your master, you would be condemned to hell. Right. Like for me, I was like, oh, so they just figured out how to work those words in there, huh? Yes. Or God said that too. Right. said that too. <laughs> like, right. which one is it? Right. So, you know, for me, I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. So for me, it, it was a lot of holes in there that like, I don't doubt God. I'm fearful to doubt God. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that I do doubt man-made religion. Yeah. So you have Christians who created Christianity and were separated by the return of Christ or resurrection Sunday or however they want to word it, which yeah. now don't ask me how the Easter bunny got put into play with the God of fertility, but whatever. No idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we talk about these things and we get realistic and practical about it, it's not that I'm so smart. I think I'm above God or that I think I know so much. It's about really using the God-given brain that I have to say, hey, this just doesn't add up anymore. Yeah. And then you go to other parts of the earth or the country or the continent or whatever. And people are like, what? You guys believe that over there in America? <laughs> so it's like, you know, you yes. hear some of the stuff that we've got set up over here. It's, it's not, it's not realistic. Yeah. And it was something that the Puritans felt so compelled to leave the motherland of England, yeah. which they still bought the English culture here oh, because 100%. they could not survive on their own. They didn't have enough support. And even with killing the indigenous peoples here after learning their trade, it still wasn't enough for them to sustain themselves. I yes. mean, I could go on all day long about this stuff, go but realistically it. speaking, yeah. it's about what are people allowing their minds to be oppressed with? Mm. Central intelligence agency, right? That is the CIA, right? Yeah. And they hold all the knowledge of everything that happens in the US and all over the world, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you think about it, I use CIA intelligence for something else. Mm. Communication, implementation, and accountability. Yeah. What are we communicating? How are we implementing? And what is holding that to a, a structure of accountability to make sure it's happening the way we originally communicated it would happen? That's good. So now when you think about how the Puritans came here, they came here for freedom of religion, but pretty much indoctrinated everybody on this land. 100% religion. Well, they had a, <laughs> they had a theocracy. They didn't have like, they had a God run and, and freedom of religion. Like there were women that wanted to hold Bible studies, but they weren't free to do so. They were hung for doing that. 
So I, it was all they they just wanted to be free from whatever tyranny they experienced. So or they could the do Salem witchcraft. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah, women that would that. women that would speak up or say anything contrary to the religious ideology of the day were straight up murdered or 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 uh, it was perpetuated the idea that they were witches or whatever it was. I love that though, especially the accountability part. I think there's something about culture today that really struggles with this idea that uh, people are always fighting about whether or not cancel culture is a good thing. All it really is from my vantage point is accountability. People have positions of power or influence. And when they do something that's harmful, um, there's an accountability in place. And those of us who do mess up, who do have positions of power and mess up and, and have that happen, um, it's not the greatest thing to feel the wrath of people who are accountable or whatever it is, but it's necessary for not only the growth and betterment of all people, but for my own. If I mess up and I'm in a position of power, I need to be held accountable or else I'm going to perpetuate that abuse. And I, I love that that's the way you turned CIA compared to what it is, what we know to be an abusive system. Right. You know, <laughs> And you know, the thing about it is it's public prisons. That's what accountability is. Mm. Cancel culture is the prison system. Mm. And people don't like to be in the public prison. No. Because right. too many times we throw our black men, disenfranchised communities into these prisons and throw away the key, never thinking about them. And that's cancel culture in itself. Absolutely. But now that people who are in positions of power are getting called out, they're like, oh, <laughs> we don't like this. Minute. Right. <laughs> we don't like this. Don't cancel us. <laughs> just hold us accountable, but softly. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, and it's like, what about the recidivism rates of like perpetuary behavior, you know, perpetuary behavior? Like right. these people are out here doing things that are, clear abuses of power clear Completely. like grooming and doing these things like in plain sight yes. and then when they get called out for it oh it's just those cancel culture people it's yes. the rightest or it's the leftist yeah. or whatever yeah. side they're gonna be on yeah. for the day right so, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> realistically speaking it's all categorization what mm. categories are you falling into yeah and i tell people all the time like i don't do the pronouns thing yeah i i respect it yeah i respect it for the people who it protects them. Yeah. I understand that. But for yeah. me, my own protection is being a part of the human race. Yeah. Unless yeah. I like turn into a gorilla or an orangutan or something that's going to be like harmful to the human species. <laughs> like I don't, I, don't use pronouns. Call me Brie. Yeah. You know, like my stepmother, yeah. when I was growing up, she used to be like, listen, if I said she, she used to be like, listen, I have a name, <laughs> <laughs> my name when you're speaking to me. Yeah. Um, and it's a respect thing, you know, so I understand the need for inclusion. I understand yes. why people are fighting for these rights. However, I'm somebody who fights for like, why are we picking more categories to put people in instead of yeah. just realizing everybody's a human? Who yeah. you sleep with at night is none of my public business. Yeah. Who you choose to have intercourse or intimacy with is none of my public business. Absolutely. And how you show up, whether it's through clothing or through the chemicals that are in your body, has nothing to do with me, my business, or my person. Yeah. What you eat don't make me shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that one before. So literally, that's good. That's really, good. I've never heard that one. I've never heard that. The first, but oh, that's an old one. I've never. <laughs> so I'm sure. Know. I'm sure I missed a lot. 
<laughs> but yeah, that, yeah. I mean, maybe that was the six years of like being a pastor where they were like, no, before that, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. So what you got, which we, I don't think we met each other during that time period. My, okay. First of all, I lo- I really appreciate that perspective. And, and also the understanding that people have to fight for the recognition to be seen as human beings or equal, have equal rights. You know, um, when I was a pastor, when I was trying to start something new, the idea for me that I hated about religion and Christianity was that this space that we held to be sacred was somehow separate from the world outside. I hated how you'd go into this building and all of a sudden you couldn't say, you couldn't swear, you couldn't talk the way that you would talk when you left the street. I remember when I was running this lunch program in Quincy for people who were experiencing homelessness, they'd come down. I was having this conversation. I was like, uh, I don't know. It tasted like shit. I said something like that. The guy goes, you can't swear in a church. I'm like, you just literally committed a drug deal around, around the corner. You're telling me that, I, that that's not sacred space. And this is, I, I hated the, So for me, the idea that like that church is somehow separate, I wanted it to be the same. I wanted the church to be the same as the outside. So I want hypocrisy. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Which is a big thing for me. I hate that. But but the this whole idea that we and people have been trained to think that, right? We've been trained to think this space is sacred, that space is secular or or not sacred, so we can act however we want. I I think that the any um any uh what's the word kind of seclusion from culture or or bubble that I was in came from my childhood. So I probably missed the whole. I don't shit what you eat thing back then. <laughs> no, I was very much engaged wanting the world to be, wanting the church world to be very raw and dirty and like what you were ex- talked about with your rose analogy, you know? And I, well, I, I've read the Bible before. I mean, yeah. you know, so yeah. I'm not just spewing out shit. Oh no, I can, t- I can tell, <laughs> um, I can tell, yeah. And you know, what it says in the Bible is that any place that there are people and they are talking about God, they channel God that that's church. Yeah. So the building is just something that was created within the Bible to honor God, to give to him as a sacrifice or to give to him and say, Hey, we've created this temple so that it is meant to be, you know, Mm. a space for you. However, like my mom, we call her the sidewalk preacher because she literally can minister to anybody on the sidewalk (laughs) and they'll listen to her. Like, you know, even the people who are like, I don't do church, they'll listen to her. Um, And the reason we say this is because of the relatability that, you know, everything is like, she, like, teaching us about God growing up. Like, yeah. I feel like this is why I'm able to still maintain my spiritual connection with God in the absence of me believing the institutions of religion is yeah. because she pretty much talked to us and she'd be like, God, would be like, so let me tell you how it was. And she'll talk to us in I regular terms I love that. and be like, and God wasn't having that. So he went and told the disciples like, nah, I'm going <laughs> to punish y'all. And this is how, you know, this is how the Bible was described to us. I so fair to say it gave us a realistic measure of there's not much different from the Bible and 48 laws of power. Yeah. That's so that's, that's really helpful. Accountability is a word that keeps coming up when I research you. Um, and your stuff about, you know, rose from concrete, everything seems to be about showing people how to get through adverse situations. You know, what I guess is something new, you got the book, is there anything else new that's that you're cooking up that maybe you haven't released yet, or you're, if you're ready to talk about it? 
or that's like so the book i'm so excited about that i'm releasing it just because if somebody were to steal the idea to hell with it i said it on here first and yeah it's out there (laughs) at like Um, 345 on march 23rd (laughs) so it's out there in the atmosphere but um realistically speaking i am working on a lot of me this year nice i'm really channeling how i'm going to be able to put people before profit and Mm. you know how that's going to look in terms of creating a legacy um you know, generational curses and generational wealth are something that have been passed on and have not been passed on. Um, and, you know, in order to establish wealth, you have to capitalize. Yes. And, and yeah. a lot of the social justice work that I was doing or direct service work or community volunteer and service organizing, there's like this stigma around wanting to become rich of like, oh, you can't be rich because rich people are evil. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, no, y'all just ain't held none of them rich people accountable. So yeah. they're not paying their fair share, but I'll give my 4% or more because I'll graciously give my 10 to get my 10 back. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all pun intended there for the Bible. <laughs> so you know it's it, it's very much so about for me right now looking at how can I provide something that if I died tomorrow people would be able to look up my legacy and it would sustain itself nice. you know the podcast will forever stream those episodes that are already recorded yes. so that's something that's legacy generating for me um, it's not about the one to five cent you get off of anchor for monetizing <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. that's not what it's about right um when it comes down to the clothing brand it's something that, first of all, LLCs never really go away. You know, a, a right. business is a business, even if it dissolves, it's still got history of being a business. Yes. Um, and I want to have fabric on me that represents me. Mm. These are not the clothes, the clothes are, you know, the little saying about, you don't, you don't wear the clothes, the clothes wear with you, whatever, however yeah, it goes. Yeah. Misquoting right now, but (laughs) um, the purpose is, you know, our bio says to wear your thorns proudly. Mm. So this is a piece of clothing that is going to start a conversation and people are going to be like, what does that mean? Where's a rose from concrete? And I I get to give them the story behind it or allow people to feel empowered when they're wearing these clothes. Cause it's like, listen, there's somebody who like really went through something before this clothing brand came out. It's not just, you know, I decided I wanted to be a fashionista and, you know, start a clothing (laughs) brand yeah Um, yeah. you know resilient roses that's Mm. a board at any point in time if they decide to vote me off the board that's totally possible but the organization still stands the mission still stands yeah you know so all these things are not about coach brie personally outside of coach brie nichols consultant (laughs) (laughs) Um, that is the only thing that's solely about me and being able to utilize the gift of gab i used to you know, get in trouble all the time in school for talking way too much. And now I say that that mouth that once got me in trouble now gets me into good trouble. Yeah. Um, so so being able to use my experiences to pass them along to other people, be an open book for people to ask questions and allow people and myself to learn shit in the process. <laughs> learn shit. You're going to be able to say learn shit everywhere you go. Oh, it's I'm so trademarking good. it. Totally. That's, Trademark to. copyright is, is going to. down now. That's so good. <laughs> All right. So where can people learn more about you? And also, um, do you share a lot about your own journey, your life's journey on your podcast? Where can people hear about that more? Because I know that that's a story that uh, would inspire. I'm on my Kanye journey right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I actually have a photographer and a videographer so a company uh, km visuals who has been supporting me throughout the process from you know before i started running for election at different events mm-hmm. throughout the election process 
and now any, anything that I'm doing, um, KM Visuals is typically following me to document that process. Love that. Um, so some of my story has been an open book out there. If you do enough research, you could probably find some articles from a few years ago in the enterprise, uh, maybe other podcasts and things that I might've talked about my story when that was still what I was actively going through. Yeah. But now whatever you haven't heard is on reserve um, for this documentary that we're going to sell. <laughs> Love we'll that. that. HBO contract. There you go. Um, <laughs> there you but go. we're definitely going to um, put that information out there, but in a way that people can really learn shit. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I love it. It's so good um, every time. <laughs> yes. And, and in a way that like is honoring to my story now, yeah. because that is not where I am anymore. So I got to this place in transition mm. where I was no longer comfortable, just like me. like, I was a 16 year old, you know, parent and I was homeless. I was like, this ain't my story no more. Five years later. That's so good. Um, yeah. So, you know, now that story will be reserved for something bigger, but yeah. in the meantime, uh, people can feel free. I'm actually revamping my websites now. So I will have a new bio coming up very soon. Awesome. Um, and people can go to coachbreenichols.com to learn a little bit about my personal journey and professional journey. Awesome. They can go to resilientroses.org, excuse me, resilientrosesrespite.org. And there they can find a little bit about the story that led to the journey to giving back. Um, and just stay tuned, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. So they yes. get to see a little bit more of my day-to-day -day life, yeah. uh, subscribe to the podcast. I will be doing a series, um, perhaps turn your stress into success. We'll now have a learn shit. <laughs> yeah, you, of um, course. You, that's how you <laughs> write books. You write books just by like transcribing stuff you've talked about, Right. you know, what, what's the podcast name? Uh, so the podcast is turn your stress into success. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And we have different seasons right now. I believe we're on season three. Don't oh. quote me here. The first <laughs> season um, was called how much weight. Uh, I believe that was the season about politics because it was during the time that I was running for office and yeah. I wanted to utilize a different platform to reach people, to tell them about like why we should be voting or at least getting in position to determine who we want in office representing us. Yeah. Um, and then I have another season that really just went, I believe, on perception being the root of misconception. Mm. Um, and then the season that we are currently in is more so just about like stress and how people are using stress to get them to that next level. And maybe they're not where they want to be, but like, how did you get where you are right now? And yeah. how, you know, like, pretty much teaching their learn shit tips. Yeah, yeah, that's really <laughs> um, good. So okay. uh, it's, it's really informative. I find myself growing and learning when I listen. Thank you once again for tuning into this episode of Dig New Streams. Until next time, peace, my friends. <laughs>